Hello, it is December 14th, and we are back with another episode of Flashcards. Uh, this week, a little bit something different. Got a guest. Uh, she lives with me and uh, is going to be talking a little bit of mindfulness. She's learned from some of the best, so uh, we'll get to her in a second. Uh, other than that, I hope you guys are having a great week, and I hope you enjoy the podcast, and we will talk to you soon. See ya. So here we are. We are back. And again, like I said, we have a special guest. She has played at the University of Arizona uh, under Coach Candrea. She coached at the University of San Diego and the University of California, San Diego, UCSD. (laughs) Sorry, Coach G. Um, And she has been married to me for almost a year. Uh, We are introducing, of course, Eva McIntyre, formerly Watson. (laughs) Woo! <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, gang. Happy to be here. So, um, first of all, can you give them a little bit of background, maybe on the mental side or, more importantly, the coaches that you've been around? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, I am born and raised in Virginia, but played softball at the University of Arizona. So, a lot of my first kind of experience with um, learning more about the mental side of the game was learning from Coach Candrea. Uh, We also had a sports psychologist at Arizona that met with us usually weekly um, and kind of hit on a lot of the mental aspect of the game and mindfulness and uh, things like that, too. Then when I went to um, USD in San Diego, uh, we would have kind of monthly meetings with a sports psych as well. And then at UCSD in La Jolla, um, our head coach, Coach Patty Gerkins, actually, uh, she... I believe, majored in psychology or maybe even got her master's in psych as well. But she used to lead team meetings um, every single week early in the morning, um, placed a huge importance on it. And so I got to learn under her just last year, too. So you've had uh, a lot of background uh, in the sports psych world or uh, mental toughness or mindset training. Um, We're going to get into mindfulness today, but before that... Can you give the listeners one thing that across all those years you've really taken with you uh, on the mental side? Yeah, I would say that the the mental side of the game is something that you're always working at. Um, I used to think that it's something you master, and that's how people like get to the Olympics and do super, super well. I said, oh, they, they've mastered the mental side of the game. But if I've learned anything, it's that it's something that you're continually working on um, and need to be disciplined enough to work on every single day in your life, whether you're still an athlete um, or not, whether you're coaching the game or not, whether you're just kind of the average person in a nine to five job. It's always something that you can be working on and improving on. Yeah, and and we're going to kind of get into that uh, constantly working on it and building on your skills because like you said there you you can go from a good player to a great player you can separate yourself with some of these skills um especially mindfulness and uh do you want to give them your definition of mindfulness or what that means to you before i get into what we found sure yeah Sorry. <laughs> i'll give my my two cents first yeah um yeah definitely i think that well for me personally mindfulness is um being able to recognize kind of your current emotional and mental state um, at any given time 
and it can be ever-changing. Um, I think that mindfulness is, you know, being able to recognize where you're at in one specific moment, and then when you're kind of starting to maybe slip into, um, we used to call it like a, a green, yellow, or red zone. Green zones, you're, you're super good. Everything's going great. Yellow, oh, kind of pump the brakes. Things are getting shaky. And then reds, obviously, when you're just having a terrible day. And so mindfulness is knowing when you're in a zone, but then also being able to recognize when you're maybe slipping into a different zone as well. I like that. I, I haven't heard the, the three different zones before. That's good. So our definition, we pulled this off the internet because uh, the internet has everything. Uh, mindfulness, a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, bodily sensations used as a therapeutic technique. Uh, pretty much what you said. So sweet. Well done there. <laughs> um, but we, we want to get into, you know, we can practice this, right? There's, there's ways of, of getting better at it. And one way, uh, of doing that, of course, is using the breath. Now, um, let's go with coach Candrea. What does coach Candrea have to say about using the breath? Oh, it's, it's a part of your routine. Um, coach Candrea placed an extreme importance on routine, you know, pick one. He doesn't care what it is, but pick one and stick to it. And the breath is, uh, what you need to live. <laughs> he used to always say, you stop breathing, you die. And I mean, that's just a fact of life. So for, for him using the breath, I mean, there's a lot of physical evidence behind it and how it can actually help really calm you down, um, and kind of center you. You'll hear people use that term a lot, kind of bring you back to your center. Now, if it's part of your routine, then it really helps keep you centered because it's just something that you're doing over and over again. But yeah, for Coach Kendra, it's extremely important in everything you do on and off the field to make sure that that breath is kind of part of your routine to bring you back to your center. Coach Hill was a breathe light to breathe right. <laughs> and I, I loved it. Um, yeah, the breath is, is key. I think it is the one thing that, um, you know, in order to clear your mind, right, we can focus on a focal point. Uh, but it's also really important that we uh, just kind of focus on breathing, right? And and it keeps us really centered and um, focus on one thing. Did you ever have any times where you uh, just felt so locked in on the field that it was you were on autopilot? Oh my gosh, yes. I definitely felt honestly like there were games that I couldn't remember when I breathed or not. Um, and that's when it, it kind of does become part of your routine. You know, everything's just clicking. You're just moving. You're really not thinking. I mean, you are, obviously. <laughs> you are out there thinking, but you're not intentionally having to say, okay, don't forget to breathe right before you step in the box. You know, it, it just happens. And when everything's clicking like that, man, that's when you're in that green zone, when you're really in a good place. I I heard a story, and this is new to you, too. Um, they were talking about Jordan when he gets into that zone or Kobe how the court seems to slow down and he knows the decisions the other players are going to make before they make them. Like he's three steps ahead of everybody. Um, and, and that's the zone we're trying to get you in, right? The, the breath and, and getting centered on just one thing. Um, so we're going to send it on over to Byler who has sent in his for the week. Uh, and he's going to get us with some different breathing techniques. The art of mindfulness. Now we hear a lot about mindfulness in schools, 
about mindfulness in sports, why it's important. Um, you've probably seen it's, it's one of the bigger buzzwords out there along with leadership and some other ones. But the art of mindfulness is simply just finding inner stillness and finding inner peace within ourselves and within our games and the ability to move slow, think slow, to enhance our ability. It slows the game down, it slows our lives down, and it allows us to think at the highest capacity that we possibly can, the most mental clarity. So when you think about mindfulness, just think about how can I perform to the best of my ability mentally versus physically. Now, in my opinion, the mind is the most important, and as you guys have known by being a part of Major League University and seeing a lot of what we've been doing, we truly believe that the mind can separate us from anybody else in the world. And if you really want that competitive advantage, if you are searching for the competitive edge, the mind is the single tool, the most important muscle that any one of us has that can elevate our game immediately. And that is where mindfulness comes in. The art of finding inner stillness, finding inner calmness, being one with ourselves and one with our performance rather than trying to look too far in the past, too far in the future, or worrying about things that aren't right in front of us right now. Each one of us has heard, be present or live in the now or the power of now. There's a lot of books on it. There's a lot of self-help things that we can do. Uh, but the, the whole art of this is how do we control our breath to allow us to become one with ourselves and live in that very moment that we're trying to look for. So when you see peak performers, uh, I watched Clayton Kershaw in the MLB playoffs here a couple months ago. I saw him going through his visualization exercise and active visualization in the bullpen before his start where he had one of the best postseason starts he's ever had. And he had no ball in hand, nothing. He was full uniform, glove and everything, hat on. And he was going through his full motion and wind up in the bullpen with no ball or anything, just visualizing what he wanted to accomplish, how his curveball was going to move, how his cutter worked, how his fastball was located, and all the things that he was trying to achieve. Uh, Anthony Rizzo earlier in the year standing in Wrigley Field by himself, nobody else around, in the box, closing his eyes, just getting a good feel for what he's looking for at the plate, seeing it in our mind and believing it in our hearts. So that is what this can do. And, and when you see the peak performers in the world using this tool and using multiple breathing techniques, which we'll get to here in a minute, is, is so powerful and something we we teach with our athletes in our leadership academy which is online it's open to any athlete that is looking to just gain that competitive edge and it's very very important for us in life especially now with mental health at the the highest pinnacle it's ever been at is we allow these athletes and we teach them how to control our breasts to control our performance if you're not in control of your mind you will never control your performance so if we're able to use our breath to pull us back into that present moment to allow our our actual physical abilities to be enhanced on the field that is where we're going to experience the most success and not only just most success but the most consistency as well when you think about the athletes that make it to the top levels they're not always the most talented they're the most consistent especially dealing with pressure and adversity which as you know we're experiencing a lot as we speak and more to come here going into the new year so without further ado let's get in some exercises that we can use some breathing techniques that we at major league university love to teach our athletes and we've, we truly believe that these are staples, that everybody should use this. Uh, it changed our life at the University of Nevada. I know for Coach Ray Mack, when he went to San Diego and Arizona, they do that every single day. When I was with the Diamondbacks, they would do it as well. And that's why we're hiring multiple mental skills coaches in professional baseball now, because we need these types of coaches in our ears every single day to help us and remind us 
of what's important in this moment and how can we continue to enhance our abilities on the field and our opportunity to achieve the goals and the dreams that we want to achieve. So that is where mindfulness can take us, bringing us back into that present moment, allowing us to forget about the past, forget about the future and worry about what do I need to do in this moment, be where I need to be when I need to be there. That is what mindfulness can do. So the, the, the exercise I want to give to you guys today, I'm going to give you two different breathing exercises, but we'll go through one. And it's very, very simple. It takes five seconds, maybe. So the first one that I want to give to you, and this is something that we'll do with our teams that we work with as well, is we'll go in and we will work on breathing techniques. And the one that I've really found the most success with with our athletes is the four, seven, eight, four, seven, eight. And all this is is four second inhale through the nose. So you can imagine yourself inhaling through the nose for four seconds, holding for seven seconds, exhale for eight seconds out through the mouth. It's important to inhale through the nose, bring it in, hold it for a minute, and then allow it to leave through our mouth. Um, long exhale, getting everything out of our mind and our body. Um, we can call these belly breaths, the ability to fill up our belly with air and then let it all go. And that all that does is it starts to reset um, our nervous system, which allows us to be in control of our nerves versus allowing our nerves to control us and our performance. So this just gets us in control of our nerves and control of our fear response system and all the different things that can affect us uh, anatomically and the ability to just zone out for a minute and focus on what do I need to do right now in this moment. So how I coach this up with our athletes is breathe in through the nose for four and I'll count it out for those four seconds, hold for those seven, count it out for those seven, and then exhale with the count as well for about the first minute to two minutes to just get them used to feeling how long that breath takes. Sometimes if it's their first couple of times, it takes a little longer than usual. But if it's something that they've done before, they might be a little better at it. So um, when that inhale comes, that is you just inhaling that thought. So maybe it's I'm not good enough. Maybe it's I'm a beast. Whatever that thought might be, we inhale the thought. That seven second hold allows us to analyze that thought. What is this? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it thinking about my girlfriend and how we, we were in a fight? Or is it thinking about my parents and how they didn't allow me to go drive for the first time? Or maybe it's thinking about my awesome performance, which might be something that actually serves you. Evaluating whatever thought that you are feeling, inhaling it, evaluating it, and then the exhale is getting it out of our mind and body, good or bad. If you are ever going off, like if, if you feel your mind spinning out of control, focus back in on the breath. So for the coaches on here, focus back on the breath. Hey, I don't care if you think about anything or everything. Whenever your mind starts to spin off, get the focus back on your breath as soon as possible, which will allow us to develop more focus and more centered concentration, which will enhance our physical skills by multitudes, multitudes, multitudes. So that is the one breathing technique that has been the most effective. There's box breathing as well, which we have one on YouTube channel. Uh, that's pretty cool. But uh, the, the 478 has been very effective, especially for athletes who carry a lot of anxiety and burdens. So that one's been something that we really enjoy. And then the double inhale, single exhale, and we're going to do it together on here. The two inhales through the nose, one exhale out through the mouth. So we're going to do it right now. Ready? Inhale. Exhale. 
two inhales, one exhale. Very, very powerful. We challenge our athletes. There's lots of videos of Troy Tulowitzki, Evan Longordia. Um, there's so many other athletes. Uh, you see Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, Simuki Betts, Mike Trout, taking their breath before they step in the box. And what we do with this one is instead of just one breath, there's two inhales, one exhale, and it really helps reset that mind in that moment. So if I have a negative thought going on, if I feel like I'm spinning out of control, if the game's speeding up on me a little bit, whether it's my uh, on the mound, in the field, or at the plate, I can take two inhales with my nose, long exhale out through the mouth, letting everything go, getting it out of my body. That is the most immediate tool that we can use. So yes, are these challenging? Sometimes. But the goal is to develop our own mental toolkit for our performance. So if we can continue to develop that toolkit every single day and just get a little bit better each day, that's going to really help us become the athlete and the player and the person, more importantly, that we want to become. So if you're interested in joining the Leadership Academy, get your athletes in there. We would love to have them, love to help them, and just pursue on this journey of, of success for them, not only on the field, but off the field. It can really, really help. But these breathing techniques are staples in our program and something that is part of our curriculum and will never leave. We're just going to continue to adapt and get better at it. So um, very, very important is this mindfulness piece for performance to allow our abilities to actually show all that hard work that we do and put in to come out on that field when those lights turn on. All right. Thanks. Bye. Um, Again, this is me coming from the past to a biler in the future here. So we're adapting and improvising and overcoming. Um, back to you, Eva. Um, UCSD, Coach Patty, uh, she does work with their team mentally on, on mental skills and leadership development uh, once a week at least, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And she is very, very – we're getting her on the podcast. I've already kind of told by <laughs> – uh, but what would you say is one thing that she really tries to instill in all her players? Ooh. It's hard. Hot seat, sorry. Hard to pick one. Oh, man. You can give us a couple if you'd rather. Yeah, I, I'd say a lot of things that are really, really important with Coach G. Um, accountability, for sure. Um, she wants you to be accountable for everything on the field off the field, but then also yourself, your emotions, how you treat your teammates, how you treat your parents. Um, accountability might honestly be one of the biggest things with her, you know, though I'm really thinking about it. Um, and she, she thinks it's a big part of maturity, you know, and preparing her student athletes for life after softball is that if you can be accountable for your actions and your reactions, you know, it's going to help you go far in life. The, accountability for your emotions and that's something that you learn in, of yourself over time uh, how do you respond to certain things what are your triggers and uh, you know we can practice really responding the way we'd like to those different things but it we have to first learn really what are we feeling you know what emotions are we feeling in a certain moment um, you know, what is it that sets me off? Because from then, we can adjust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know, exactly. Out from there. QB has been doing some research. He has a story for us uh, that I think kind of puts this into some pretty good perspective. Perspective. Uh, we're going to use that one for the take. Go ahead, Q. Hey, what's up, guys? This is QB Meyer here with Major League University. 
So I just wanted to share a quick story that I've heard on the Life on Purpose podcast, and it's about the two wolves. So an old Cherokee was teaching his grandson about life. So he tells his grandson that a fight is going on inside of him. It's a terrible fight between two wolves. One is a fearful and an angry wolf, and the other is a positive, a loving and caring wolf. So the grandson asks, which wolf will win? So the Cherokee tells him that the one you feed will win. So the one you feed will win. This is a very short story, but it's very impactful and can give a lot of meaning to how we go about our lives. So everyone has different experiences, different emotions throughout their lives, some worse than others. But we have a lot more power over those feelings and thoughts and experiences than you think. Just because we had a lot of negative things happen to us in our past doesn't mean that we're going to carry that on forever. Yes, it's going to be very tough to get rid of them, but there's always something to strive for. And a lot of those times, we're looking outwards to try to find the answers of, to, to make sense of what's going on inside of us. But in reality, we have to look inwards and be mindful and present of what we're actually experiencing in our minds and our thoughts and our feelings. So the very first thing that we're going to have to do to make a shift in our life, we all want to feed our positive wolves inside of us because each and every one has both. We have a positive and a negative wolf. And so the question is how? How do we feed that positive wolf? Many times we're not even sure of which wolf we're feeding. We're not aware of which wolf we're feeding. We're blindly putting the food into our body, into our minds, and whichever wolf takes it, takes it. So it's a 50-50 toss-up. It's a coin flip, and many times that negative wolf will actually win. So we want to be aware of which wolf we're actually feeding, which one is actually getting the food. We're basically placing the food out there for either one to grab. And that food represents our situation. So when we relate it to baseball, um, let's say because hitting is one of the hardest things to do in all the sports, uh, hitting is very, very easy to feed the negative wolf. And we're not always conscious of it. We want to start to be more conscious of what's going on before, during, and after our at-bats internally. So internally, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I experiencing before the at-bat? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I experiencing during and after my at-bats? With that said, we can always make our adjustments from there. If we notice that we're starting to feed that negative wolf, maybe we struck out in our last five at-bats or 10 at-bats or we're over for or over 15 and we want to make a comeback we're not going to be able to make our comeback without feeding that positive wolf so how can we do that there's so many different ways we can start to feed our positive wolf but the very beginning part of this to make that shift from feeding the negative to the positive wolf is going to be the most important period because we're not used to it it's not our habits So in order to ingrain our habits, we want to be aware of which wolf we're feeding. And then we can start to feed the uh, proper wolf. Positive emotions by 
positive reinforcements, by visualization, by meditation, by feeding our body with the proper nutrients to feel better. So there's a lot of ways we can start to feed that positive wolf, but we got to be aware of it. So once we're aware of it and we start to feed our positive wolf, we want to take our small wins and celebrate them. So if, if you notice in one time that you made a big shift, let's say you're walking to the plate and that's where you're normally fearful. And one at bat, you walk to the plate and you're extremely positive, looking forward to step into that batter's box. Celebrate it. We got to celebrate that uh, small win so that we can carry that momentum. So we can carry that momentum into our next at bat, into the following at bat, and pretty soon we're going to go on to, into autopilot. And we're going to be only feeding that positive wolf in those situations that you worked on it. But it's just that initial period that we want to be sure of which wolf we're feeding. And yes, we're always going to be feeding both wolves. It's nearly impossible to get rid of feeding both wolves. We're going to feed the negative wolf. We're going to feed the positive wolf. But if we're more mindful of it, the more mindful we are, the easier it is for us to feed the proper wolf or the positive wolf. So with that said, in your life, you can take this anywhere. Which wolf are you actually feeding? Which one are you giving your most attention to? Which one do you want to feed the most? So with those questions in mind, which wolf do you want to feed? You'll be surprised at how positively impactful you will be on other people's lives, including yourself. All right, Q, thank you. Uh, again, sending it in from the islands. He's been completely grinding and, and so busy with the Fire Academy. You know, it's just been awesome to get him in here still. Uh, and I miss him. So, shout out to Q. Uh, back to my wife. Um, here's a quote that I thought was beautiful, and I'd like to hear your interpretation of it. The space between stimulus and response is our freedom to choose. What does that mean to you? Well, I think, I mean, we are constantly stimulated by things in life every single day. I mean, you snap the lights on in the morning and instantly you're either upset that they're on or you're not. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think the space between stimulus and response is, um, yes, we sometimes have instant reactions, but you always have that very brief moment where you kind of do get to choose how you react. And, and that's something that can be practiced. You know, I, I know a lot of people in the morning, like you, for example, when lights go on first thing, it's it's not a great it's reaction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, not everyone wants all the lights in the house on first thing in the morning. But, you know, that is something you can choose uh, to kind of work on your response to that, right? You know, it's getting your day going. It means you have another opportunity to do something great that day and that space in between is something that you can work on um, and help to change that response, which is awesome. It's it's so great that we're not robotic and can't help. It's not just stimulus response, boom, and there's nothing in between. The fact that we have that space to choose and work on and teach others how to control that space, I think it's awesome. It's it's hard to do because when the first <laughs> thing I hear is my 4 a.m. alarm, <laughs> and I know that I don't have, 
Well, that's the thing. I do have a choice, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I can either not go to work, not get paid, lay in bed all day, or I can choose to get up, get showered, get in, and get started. Um, it's frustrating, but that's the reality of it. And um, the better we can change that alarm into a, hey, you get to get your day started, mm -hmm. right? Because once you get in there, you know, you get your coffee, you're going, it's a good day. You know, the sun's shining, things are fine, right? <laughs> yeah. But that first 30 minutes of my day sometimes is, is tough. But just reshaping my thoughts, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Hang with me here. Okay, so why does this matter? Why does this matter? Uh, number one, uh, George Mumford had said it, and, and I've mentioned him in an article that we'd written. Uh, his book, The Mindful Athlete, if you haven't read it, go read it. Get it on Audible. It's an, a free with your Audible Pro or whatever. Um, very good, very good book. And he says, no matter how good you are, you can always be better. You can elevate your game. Again, you, we keep going back to Michael Jordan because he's one of the best of all time, right? Great. But he knew that his talent and his work ethic were going to get him to be an all-pro or a, a very, very good player. But at some point, he needed to elevate it higher. Um so, I got one more story for you. All right, hit me with it. Um, bees. Okay. If you put bees into a glass jar. Okay. Okay. Mason jar. And you don't put the lid on, but you have them in the glass jar. There's a bunch of bees. Did you know the bees won't just fly out of the jar? Well, do they not know there's empty space above them? Yes, yeah, so get this they climb all over each other they'll climb all over the rim they'll pull at each other but they won't fly away because they're so intently focused on the glass jar that they feel like they're trapped so <laughs> yes i know this was wild okay all they had to do was look up wow. and see that they had you know this opening to a whole world in front of them okay full circle what, what's the interpretation give it to the people <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, well, it's interesting because I was told a kind of similar story once before about someone who uh, stuck their hand in a jar and um, balled their hand into a fist when they were trying to get the cookies at the bottom and they couldn't get their hand back out. It was stuck and they were clenching harder and harder just trying to squeeze their hand out. And all they had to do was open up their hand and let go and their hand would slide right out of the jar. And it's... <laughs> it's so... I don't know if that was ideally the same metaphor what no letting go versus looking up looking up taking in the world in front of you versus letting go of stress <laughs> hey same deal though and um i think you guys all understand that sometimes you just gotta look up and see the world in front of you and i encourage you to all do that this week um and for those of you that are attending our prospect camp next week if you got in there, uh, there might be a couple spaces still available by the time this podcast drops. I'm not sure, um, but we're pretty full on that, to be honest. Um, and then we do have some space still available for our youth camp that is going to be uh, the 21st to the 23rd. Both of those are going to be in Phoenix, Arizona. I am going to be there. My wife is going to be there, Woo. along with, of course, Austin Byler and a gang of other people that are going to help us out. We're going to be going all day with that. Uh, and we're excited. Uh, we're going to have one more episode of the podcast before Christmas. 
Um, and that is going to be on a busy, busy week, our one year anniversary, actually. So happy early anniversary to you. And I hope you and the rest of the people have a great week. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, guys, we love you and uh, take care. Have a good one. Peace. All right. Sorry. Jumping back in. We forgot something. I apologize. Every time we have a guest on, we run a special game that you were not ready for. And uh, (laughs) I actually wrote these brothers up there, these messages up for Joe for these questions. So uh, they should work for you. Okay. Um, But we usually go fast five. We're going to go fast 10. You have 10 questions that I'm going to throw at you really quick. Uh, Rapid fire answer. First thing that pops in your head. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, what's your favorite holiday? Oh, Christmas. Number two, name one person that who has positively impacted your life. Beside you? Yes. <laughs> Coach Kendra. Number three, my cartoon lookalike is... Mine or yours? Yours. Oh, mine? Ooh. Uh, Come on. <laughs> Reggie, I think, from Rocket Park? Uh, okay. Purple I hair? feel that. <laughs> uh, one thing every great athlete does is... Um, remembers to eat before the game. Finished the sentence, one of the happiest times in my life was... When I got married. Number six, hitting walk-off home run or pitching a no-hitter? <laughs> Which would you rather? <laughs> walk-off home run. What is one thing everyone should do to make the world a better place? Recycle. If you could be a manager of any professional team, what team would it be? Uh, San Francisco Giants. There it is. What is one thing you wish you knew at 15 and you know now? 15? Phones aren't that important. And lastly, did you enjoy the podcast? Oh, loved it. Oh, nailed it. (laughs) This is coming in late. Peace.